Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and we have a very special returning guest for today's show. We have my sister, Rebecca, joining us, and she joined me on the show way back on episode 49, where we talked about the benefits of learning your personality type. So if you haven't already checked out that episode, go ahead and do that. But welcome to the show, sister. Thanks for having me. I know you're so excited to do this episode with your (laughs) sister again, aren't you? Just pumped. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for being willing to return. And I'm really excited to talk about the topic of today's episode where we're going to discuss the medical and dental mission trip that we went on recently to Honduras. But before we get into that, would you mind introducing yourself for the listeners, whatever details you'd like to share with them? Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm Kat's younger sister. Most people call me Beck or Becca. Um, I am married to my husband, Zach, and we have two kids. Addie is eight. Merrick is six. I work as a licensed dental assistant. I've done that for about 12 years now. Um, so that's what brought me on this trip with Katerina on the dental team. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. And what do you enjoy most about being an LDA? Um, the most exciting part of my job is the fact that it's constantly changing. Um, where I work now, we do everything. So it's pretty exciting that my day is constantly different. Every single procedure is bouncing from one thing to the next. So I go from a crown prep to extraction implant placement to doing fillings. So it's different hour by hour. Hey, you're definitely not the type that likes to be bored and not feel productive. You always like to feel like you're busy. (laughs) I like fast paced. That is for sure. And then what made you decide that you wanted to go on a dental medical mission trip? Um, Katerina and I grew up going on missions trips, so it was always something that was close to our heart. So doing this was kind of in our blood in a way. So doing it in a professional setting was something different for us, um, but definitely something that we had wanted to do for a really long time. Just had never had the chance to do it because good old COVID kind of ruined that for us when we originally looked into it in 2019. Yes, definitely. When we were teenagers and in our early 20s, we did some mission trips that some of them included working at an orphanage in Mexico, and we were doing hard labor in the Mexican Mm -hmm. heat back then. So that certainly was interesting. (laughs) My good old third degree sunburn with blisters on my shoulders. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. Back when you were not a fan of sun protection or sunscreen or anything like that, right? I still am not. (laughs) All you derm PAs out there, close your ears, right? (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. Sorry, guys. 
Yeah. No. So we definitely fell in love with doing mission trips back then. Mm -hmm. And we had been talking about trying to do a joint one for several years. We started looking into it, like you said, back in 2019. And we had planned one for 2020 with a different organization than the one we ended up going on. That one was going to be going to Vietnam. Then we all know what happened, why we could not go in May of 2020, because it was the way beginning of COVID. So good times. Exactly. So the organization that we ended up going with for this trip is called MMO or Medical Mission Outreach. What was it about the organization that interested you in going on this trip? So when we originally looked for a medical mission trip, we wanted something that aligned with our beliefs. Spiritually, essentially, is what we were looking for. MMO's beliefs aligned very closely to what Kat and I believed spiritually. Um, So that is really what drew us to this trip. Yes, this organization is faith-based, and we decided to go on a mission trip that was faith-based. Certainly, there are several other organizations out there that are not faith-based as well. If you feel like you want to join one of those to just try to help and do good work in the world or in countries that may not have it as well off as you do here in America. And so for this trip, we went to Honduras. What was the reasoning, would you say, behind picking Honduras for this trip? A lot of our mission trips have been to Spanish-speaking countries, um, and Spanish-speaking countries are near and dear to my heart in general. Honduras, we went to October of 2022 as well on a cruise, and the country is absolutely beautiful. So when we got to go there on a mission trip, it was just exciting to be back there. Um, And it was just a different setting of Honduras that we got to see because we were in a mountain valley. So it was really, really cool to see a different part of Honduras. Also, to be honest with you, it just worked out really good for our schedules as well. We were really open to go wherever um, that would work out for our schedules. And Honduras was just the place that happened to be where the schedule worked best for Kat and I. Yes, exactly. How MMO works is they put up different trips throughout the year, and some of them have a dental team with a medical team or sometimes physical therapy teams or optical teams. So this one had both dental and medical, and then, like you said, it worked out for the timing well for us, too. Mm-hmm. And then our trip started off with being on the struggle bus right mm-hmm. away, first thing in the morning. <laughs> Do you mind sharing some of the struggles that we had with this trip? I think the trip was just a continuous struggle bus for me. I lived on that struggle bus. My Lord. Um, If you know me, I am a very punctual, like to be on time, orderly person. And my God, did it not start that way at all. (laughs) I had gotten a new phone the day or two before we left. And for whatever reason... I did not test my alarm clock. (laughs) Um, So I had it all planned that I was going to get up, shower, last minute, throw things in a bag, you know, like curl your hair so you like look presentable to meet like 70 new people. (laughs) I was going to give myself an hour and a half to do all that. Um, I woke up to my sister ringing the doorbell and my dog barking 
<laughs> 20 minutes after my sister was supposed to be at my house because she was running late. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh my goodness, my alarm didn't go off. I spent $1,000 on this phone and it's not even good for an alarm clock. Like <laughs> what in the world is wrong with my life? <laughs> and I just remember as a dental assistant, I don't wear makeup to work. I just, I do this thing. I call it the roll and go. Like you just roll out of bed and you throw your hair in a bun and you just go. So we did the roll and go that morning. I was in the bathroom crying because I was so upset, brushing my teeth. And my sister comes in. She's like, Beck, what can I help you with? I was like, just leave me alone. <laughs> like so upset, like so upset. So I just threw stuff in a bag. I don't even remember what I forgot, what I didn't forget. And we left the house within, I think, five minutes. And then we had gotten to Honduras and we waited in customs for 45 minutes. And then we had a 45 minute from San Pedro Sula to El Progreso. And it was hot. And I was so gross and sweaty. And I looked at Kat and I said, I am so thankful I didn't shower this morning and waste my time because it was not worth it. So it all goes around, I guess. <laughs> no kidding. I think we need to tell people how early in the morning that was, though. So I woke up at 1230 in the morning, like 1230 yeah. after, you know, right after midnight. And I was, uh -huh. like you said, I was supposed to leave about 15 minutes earlier than I did, but I always need to allow a little bit of buffer time for mm -hmm. me on travel days. And I remember texting you, texting Zach, calling you, calling Zach, no answers. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, did their house burn down? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, worst case scenario, what is the deal? Yes. And then fortunately, when we knocked and your dog Piper started barking, then... Then you woke up. That was good. There was no flames coming out of our <laughs> yes. roof. Yeah. I think my alarm was supposed to be off at like one. And then you came to our house at 2.20 and you're supposed to be there at two. So yep. it was definitely early. A very long travel day for sure. Yes. And then also we realized at the airport too that our bag tags weren't marked mm -hmm. to go all the way to Honduras. They were only marked they to go to Atlanta. Atlanta. Yep. And so then we had a we had a talk with a bunch of people to try to get that situated because it was booked by someone else that mm -hmm. didn't quite get them all the way to where we were going for our destination. So it was lots of confusion that day. The gentleman who was checking me in at Delta was like, where are you going today? And I said, I'm going to Honduras, sir. And he goes, well, you are, but your bags aren't. And I said, <laughs> excuse me? And I was like, uh, well, we're all going to San Pedro Sula. And he goes, well, your bags are only going to Atlanta. And I was like, how do we change that? <laughs> <laughs> so they were very gracious to help us get our bags where they were supposed to go as well. Otherwise, we would have been uh, pretty screwed over on that because I did not have what I needed in my carry-on. So just a lot of dental gloves and masks, <laughs> which would not have made a pretty outfit. No. So. <laughs> yes, thanks to Delta for your patience that day and for helping no us kidding. out. And then besides our bags almost not making it there, we soon learned that the supplies were held up and medications and mm -hmm. the dental x-ray and all sorts of things. So what what were your thoughts when you first heard that? Yeah, so the customs in Honduras seems to be quite frustrating. Um, they used... So medical missions outreach use Delta Cargo to ship all of their supplies, medications, all of the dental and medical 
and optical glasses to Honduras, I guess, two, three weeks ahead of time. And they were supposed to go all in one big shipment is what I was told. Delta kind of dropped the ball on it and they shipped them in multiple different shipments. Um, and because of that, Honduras Customs held everything until they got ev all of their different supplies. And then they had a holiday. Um, and because it had a holiday, things just kind of sat there. And the holiday happened to be the weekend that we were getting there, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday that we were supposed to get, and they, we got there. And we were supposed to be setting up clinic that Saturday and seeing patients in their church and volunteers from their church that Saturday um, in the dental, medical, and optical clinic. Uh, so, you know, plans changed and we weren't able to do that. And then it goes, okay, well, we'll start, you know, going through stuff on Monday and then that didn't happen. And then it goes, okay, well, then it's going to be Tuesday at 10 a.m. and that didn't happen. And um, we were telling all this, you know, the local people from Honduras, like, we're so sorry. We'd love to see you, you know, please come back. It's because of your customs. And they're like, oh, that sounds right. Like they weren't, <laughs> they weren't surprised at all. Like mm -hmm. it's so sad that we're trying to help your people. And they're like, no, no, like it's this unnecessary red tape that they're putting in place in the dental part of it. We had a it's called a Nomad, essentially. It's a portable handheld x-ray unit uh, that we could have used. We had all the right paperwork. We had everything that we were supposed to have to be able to bring that into the country. Um, and they took it. They completely seized it, and we didn't have it at all. So we weren't able to take any x-rays. Um, it makes our job extremely dangerous to, like, split teeth we weren't able to really do any fillings because of it, because it really puts us in a bind for things that we would love to have been able to do for some patients that we just, you know, couldn't do. Um, and to be honest with you, when I last talked to the MMO's dental people, I don't even know if they got it back uh, when they were exiting the country. So it's just so disappointing when countries are saying like, oh, this is to protect our people. But I'm like, no, this is, you're hurting your people. Like we're, we're here to try to help your people, but you are putting up this unnecessary barrier that is really hurting your people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a very frustrating situation overall. I think the dental team probably felt it the most compared to all the other teams. Mm -hmm. And you guys were honestly at a standstill for yeah. A while, I think two full days or how so many days? So we got our supplies off the truck at about 8 p.m. on Tuesday night. So we stayed and set up clinic. I think we were at the church until about nine-ish on Tuesday night. And then we saw patients all day Wednesday, Thursday. So Monday, we're like, we saw no one. So we made a game plan. We're like, we got to do something like this is not okay. You know, God essentially was like, you need to go. So we went, we spent the money. We, we came to a different country. We're here. Like, what are we going to do? 
so I made a game plan. We went to Maxi, which is essentially the Walmart owns Maxi Despensino, whatever it's called over there. <laughs> um, it's Walmart of Honduras. And we bought toothbrushes and toothpaste. And we, uh, one of the girls had fluoride, boxes of fluoride that she was able to bring into the country that customs didn't seize, thankfully, and a box of disposable mirrors. And one tub of cataside wipes, which is essentially disinfectant wipes. And we had lawn chairs and gloves and masks. And we saw, I think, 80 kids that day. And we did lap profies and brushed kids' teeth and did education. And we saw like tons of little kids. And then we looked at their parents and they said, we need to see them back as soon as possible, as soon as we get our supplies, because they need this, 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 you know, and they would come back and we would be able to see them. So it was something to be able to start because we had nothing else. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really cool how you guys improvised and were able to try to help provide some care Mm -hmm. and, you know, show that you were caring to people as well. And it sounded like some of those kiddos were pretty excited to get a toothbrush. Yeah. Well, to put in perspective, they make about a dollar a day in U.S. money. Walking the aisles of Walmart there, a toothbrush is about $3 in U.S. money. So if you're going to buy a toothbrush or buy food, I mean, a toothbrush is not going to be a priority for sure. So a toothbrush was a big deal for a lot of people there. And everyone who was seen with us did get a toothbrush. So they were pretty pumped about it. So yeah. it was exciting for a lot of them. For sure. And the first day when you guys didn't have your supplies, a lot of the dental team were trying to pitch in in other ways. And I know that yes. you especially, again, you don't like to sit still and not be busy. So what all were the ways that you pitched in that day? Uh, any way possible, but I did triage some. So I was taking blood pressures and O2s, heart rates, things like that um, in the triage with everyone. And then I ran around and filled water bottles because it was hot. And then the second day, a lot of the dental team opted to just to stay back in the morning because we knew we were hopefully going to get our supplies and we would stay late that night but I don't like to sit around. So I went in early and scribed for my sister, which was very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I chart all my own charts right now. And charting for dental is very different than scribing for medical. (laughs) (laughs) I can only say the least. (laughs) I would just look at her with this blank look and I'd be like, uh, what? (laughs) Bless your heart for being so, so gracious because she's working with me trying to figure out what the heck she's saying. And then we're working with a translator mm-hmm. and then she doesn't normally see children. <laughs> oh yes. I'll get into all that in a minute. <laughs> and we have these families of like six kids in front of us and they're all hacking on us and grabbing suckers and stickers. And I'm just like endorsing it and like handing them all this candy and <laughs> Bless your heart. I like love your patience with not only me, but yeah, it was quite, I had fun. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, I'm glad that you were willing and wanting to help because it did help to have someone just literally type some on those iPads for us. And, you know, I was just trying to like 
say it in ways that like make sense or I would just go through and edit real quick. So it was really helpful. So thank you so much for helping describe. Mm -hmm. And it's always a good sister relationship tester when we have to work together in ways like that that we're not used to. (laughs) It was funny because like one of the leads on the trip, I'm like, does anyone need a scribe? And I'm like, otherwise I can go work for Kat. And she's like, are you guys able to work together? (laughs) I I think we'll be okay. (laughs) It's a valid question for siblings. It really is. (laughs) Probably even a valid question for spouses too, depending on how the role is. So I think that we should back up a little ways and just try to describe what our days were like in general down there. Mm -hmm. Like kind of what was the workflow and things like that. We've gotten into that a little bit, but we can do more of a overview description of what the clinical days were like. Okay. Um, we would get up early and all eat breakfast together. Um, everyone would eat every meal together for the most part, which was really nice. It was kind of like a family setting. Um, and then from there, we would all get on a bus and we'd have about 30, 35 minute bus ride into the city that we were working in. Um, It was amazing to drive in and see everyone already lined up. Um, The translator that my sister worked with is one of the missionaries down there, and she lives right across the path from the church. And we would get there about eight o'clock. And she said that there was people that would literally start lining up at 530 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So it's unbelievable that people would line up so early to be seen by us. And then from there, we would just get settled in for the day. You know, everyone would kind of fill up their water bottles, take their places, find their translators, settle in. And then the chaos started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Controlled chaos would start. Mm -hmm. Um, The patients, they, they would have their registration happen. And in registration... They essentially pick what they wanted to do. No one was told they can't be seen in a certain place, but they had to pick one thing, go through the whole like process, and then they could go through the process again, essentially. So being the fact that I wasn't in just dental, I did see patients like multiple times. Um, like while I was scribing for cat, I saw a patient and then I did see that same patient in dental, which I thought was very interesting. Um, so they could pick what they wanted to be seen for, and then they just essentially wait. And it was amazing how long patients would be okay waiting for, but they just were okay with it. And then they would just sit down in a chair and happily wait until they were seen. Yeah, it was really interesting to see all of the patients of the patients, like you said, and the lady that I was working with, who was my interpreter for the for all of my days which was really nice to be able to work with the same one every day Mm -hmm. because I know a lot of the providers there had a switch which can be more challenging but she would say that after a day or two early in the morning then there'd be people outside like selling ice cream and hot dogs to people waiting in line because it would just be so long and they're all waiting because we're providing free care for them so this was all free to whoever came and leading up to the trip, the church and organization were trying to promote this campaign. They literally had news coverage about it. Oh, interesting. I, did I not saw know that. that on the missionary's Facebook page. Okay. Yeah. That is cool. That is very interesting. I wasn't aware of that. 
So they were, you know, expecting to have a lot of people. And it was the first time in that specific city that MMO had gone to and that specific place. So it was everyone was kind of learning the workflow, so to speak. They had done other similar campaigns in other cities nearby, but not specifically there. So everyone is just kind of learning the ropes and things like that for sure. And after registration, they go to this area called triage, which was basically where people were getting their vitals taken. There wasn't technically a whole lot of triage happening, Mm -hmm. except for there were several RNs on the trip. And if they could tell that someone was sick, they would definitely expedite the process of them being seen more quickly. So there was a little bit of triage happening, certainly, but not like triaging, you know, every single concern and trying to like say, okay, this person has priority over this person. It was more we just tried kind of to first like come first. Or- ask a chief complaint and would put that in. But other than that, it was not much of a true triage. Yep. And then it was interesting to me to see that we were using an EMR. So they have this EMR that was on these iPads that they brought and these iPads had keyboards and the keyboards definitely helped with typing and things Mm -hmm. like that. So it was challenging because the building was a concrete building. And so it was challenging with the connection between the walls and losing connectivity and things like that. And losing power. Yes, losing power. You are right. There was definitely lots of power outages as well because it was so hot and, you know, so many circuits or whatever the terminology is called for the (laughs) electrical stuff was being run that power did go out and it did go out during the church service on Sunday and it felt like a brick oven in there. It went out for the whole church service on Sunday. Yes. That was rough. Yep. And (laughs) as you mentioned, we've been to Central America before, but I have never experienced a place quite that warm and humid in, in the past. So it was definitely a very warm trip, which makes seeing people more challenging. Thank goodness we did have a little bit of AC in our rooms. Mm -hmm. It wasn't amazingly cool by any means, but it did help make it manageable. So I was very appreciative of that for sure. Mm -hmm. Then what was interesting for the medical patients is they would be giving out prophylactic medication too. So high dose vitamin A and an antiparasitic as well, albendazole. And those were for patients who were old enough and weren't pregnant or breastfeeding and those types of things. So we were trying to do some preventative medicine down there. Every patient was offered vitamins too. So there were some prenatal vitamins, but also children's vitamins and regular vitamins for adults. So what I found challenging on the medical side of things, I don't know if you've had similar challenges on the dental side of things, but the first day my mentality of going into this was, okay, I'm going to be able to help a lot of people, right? But honestly, there were so many things that we saw that we could not help them. Mm -hmm. It was either chronic conditions or the organization actually brings a list of several medications, but we didn't have a lot of medications in stock again that first day because they were hung up with the supplies too. Or there just isn't a vast selection of medications that we can even bring in and offer to them. So there were several different situations where it's like, You know, I'm so sorry we can't actually help you with that. And I hope you can see a local specialist if you Mm can. And one patient, for example, he was in a motorcycle accident about two years before. And he said he had been struggling on and off with a knee infection for about a year and a half and was told that he 
needed to have his leg amputated and things like that. And he's coming to see us in this pop-up clinic, you know, Mm -hmm. in this church. And he brought images of his x-rays and MRI and things like that. And there was an ER doc on the trip. And I consulted with her and I was like, hey, this is the situation. It's really sad, but there's not much that we can do. And you could just see that the joint did not look great on those imaging studies. And we knew that oral antibiotics wouldn't even touch it. He had been Mm -hmm. hospitalized a couple times in the past few months already for IV antibiotics and perhaps sepsis as well. So we just had to suggest that he follow up with the local specialist or the organization also has a surgical center and they will do a fair amount of general type of surgeries, but it sounds like they're hoping to get more ortho teams there too. So it's possible he might end up on a list down there to be able to get help from the team there. But there were just a lot of cases like that, that was very hard to see where it's like, you know, we can offer these preventative medications and vitamins and, you know, just try to help and show that we're caring for them. But a lot of times there's not a lot of things that we could do physically to help them. And that was challenging and definitely a shift in my mindset. I think so many patients come to us as like a last resort because they know they can't afford it. They can't get the care they need down there Um, because they say, yes, the government care is available down there. You can go get the surgery, but to get the surgery down there, you have to provide the bed sheets. You have to provide the gauze. You have to provide X, Y, Z to be able to go to the hospital and even get the surgery. You have to pay up front, yada, yada, yada. And patients can't afford that. They can't do that. So I think so many patients showed up with this like cry for help and expected us to be able to give them a miracle in a way. And it was heartbreaking to be able to say, no, I'm sorry. Uh, We had at triage, this little kid come and his arm had like freshly been broken, like completely dislocated, like sideways. And we're like, no, (laughs) this needs to be like set. It probably surgery, like you need surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not something we can take care of here. Yeah. And then mom was like, okay, like, like distraught that we couldn't help them there. Yeah. But we're at like a pop-up clinic in a church, not at a hospital. So yeah, the mindset of the capacity of what we could do there, I think was kind of strewn for our patients. So yeah. And that was the scenario that that patient with the chronic knee infection was sharing with me that he had been told that he needed to save up enough money for the cost of the surgery. And it's like, you know, how or when Mm -hmm. would that happen type of thing for him. So it's just really a lot of challenges for sure. And then also, as you had touched on earlier, that in general, throughout my years of practicing medicine, I have been focused on seeing teenagers and adults and not young kiddos in the roles that I have had. And so before going on this trip, I had sent messages to the leadership and I was like, you know, if it's okay, I would prefer to focus on adult patients and things like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, it should be fine. There's enough <laughs> providers that see kiddos and things like that. But learned real quick that first day that they just send them in. They come with their whole family. And so <laughs> would see several 
people all at one time and we would all have a table. We didn't actually have like exam rooms or examination beds that patients could lie down on. It was we were sitting at a table and there were chairs around the table and several of these within a room. And again, with concrete walls, sometimes those rooms would get really, really loud if there were four providers in a room with sometimes family members of five people or eight people with a provider with a translator. So it was a little chaotic, (laughs) to say the least. And I was like, I guess I'm seeing kids on this trip. And it was actually super fun. And we had thought about bringing stickers and like you said, some hard candies for the kiddos and things like that. So it ended up being fun, but it was definitely another way that I was outside my comfort zone. Oh, yeah. For sure. Add that to the challenges list. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And then after patients would be treated as well, then they would be able to go talk to someone from the church as well so they could learn about the church and they can help them by praying with them or things like that too, which was really, really cool for sure. Do you have anything to add about kind of the overall workflow? It was a little bit different in the dental because we didn't have a ton of different work that we could do. Um, We literally sat them in the chair as quick as I could clean it. We had another butt in the chair and it was, where's the pain? What's bothering you? Um, Because half the time I did not have a translator and I would use my little broken Spanish (laughs) and ask them where the pain was. And they would point and I would look at their mom or ask them, is it okay to take it out? <laughs> the dentist I would work was working with and um, they would say yes. The parents would say yes. And if there was a couple next to each other or like a quadrant, I don't know, we would do as many as we could in the same area and we would just get them numb and take them out. Like we were, it was just on repeat. Um We took out a lot of teeth quickly. So I think because we didn't work those two days that it was like, all right, let's work. So it was fun. Yeah. And we mentioned earlier that some of the teams will have a physical therapy team. We didn't have that team on this trip, but we also Mm -hmm. had an optical team in addition to medical and dental. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really cool about the optical team is that you don't have to be a medical or a dental person to work on optical. You don't have to have training in optical either. So do you want to share how the optical team ran? Um, From what I was told, Joe Schmo or anyone can do optical. They literally train you when you're there. Uh, They have like different charts that they just have the patients follow. And then they have essentially like a flow chart that they use to get the patient's prescription. And then they have thousands of glasses essentially. And then they have patients pick from the ones that they have in that prescription that they get. And they use different tools that they have with to find the the patient's needed glasses. I don't even know exactly what they do, but they have a, I think, a flow chart to get to kind of close. And then they have something that I think helps read the prescription. And then from there, they, the patient picks their glasses. Um, and they have reading glasses as well, if that's all they need. Uh, but that looks way more gratifying than pulling patient's teeth because 
they get smiles. <laughs> I get bloody smiles. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Don't know did you get smiles it. or did you get sobs? <laughs> no, my patients didn't cry. Wow. Maybe a couple. <laughs> That's amazing. If it was only a couple, I feel like, especially if you're seeing a lot of kiddos, they must have been tough kiddos. Yeah, no, they really were. Yeah. Yeah. So those glasses, they are from donations from people throughout the country. Yeah. Different churches or places like schools or things like that will do glasses drives and try to collect glasses. And that's how they get all different types of prescriptions to try to screen people's vision and then try to find glasses that could work for them. So don't throw your glasses away. Find some place to recycle them. Yeah. <laughs> There's or a shameless you, plug. Or if you have a non-medical or non-dental spouse that might be interested on in a trip like this, you could mm-hmm. twist their arm a little bit and have them join the optical team with you. Kat and I are still working on that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then MMO told us that on this trip – We can't just be flexible. We actually have to be fluid. Mm. Can you share what they meant by that and what your thoughts were about that? Um, Being fluid, I think, is still an understatement. (laughs) I have never seen things change so quickly because (laughs) I think we weren't even there five minutes. And they were like, guess what? We don't have any supplies. And I was like, oh, cool. I just flew halfway around the world and spent all this money to do dental work and I'm not doing dental work. Like what? (laughs) Um, I cried. I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, why am I here? But yeah, I, it was even better that I didn't have those supplies because I got to see so much more in a way. But honestly, like there was just constant changes. Like we're going to do this this day. Nope. No, we're not. We're going to do, I don't know. It was, it was just constant changing, but the communication was good to be honest. Um, they, we always knew where to be, when to be. Uh, and if you got left behind, just stay there because someone will pick (laughs) you up because Lord knows people were left behind, uh, many times. That's what happens when you have a big group. Yeah. How many people do you think were in our group total? I think there was like 55. Yeah. And then there's like a smaller group that kind of separated. group. Mm -hmm. And then there was like 30-ish in the Santa Barbara group. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, when you have over 50 people getting transported on two different buses, it's like like herding cattle, I think, some days. (laughs) Squirrels. Yep, squirrels. Yes, they told us that flexible is too stiff and too rigid, and so that's why you need to try to be fluid, and yeah. completely agree that that was a good way of putting it. Yeah. They, I mean, they give you free reign, too, to kind of do your own thing, but then they still want you to be there at a certain time, so mm-hmm. it, it was a little it was a little sketch on that. So yeah. some mornings I'm like, oh, I want a coffee, and then I'm like, oh, crap, I don't have time, so I'm like running back trying to it was close yeah I'm curious on this trip were there any patients or a certain patient that left a lasting impression on you I had one specific girl it was hard and dental because you don't spend a ton of time their mouth is propped open you don't get to talk a lot it's hard I had one girl come in 
on Tuesday and I brushed her teeth. She was pretty young, maybe like 16. She was like, she told the translator, please tell her not to judge me. I'm really embarrassed. And I was like, girl, <laughs> I've done this a long time. Like nothing, nothing is too much. And then she's like, this tooth really hurts. And she pointed to a lower tooth. And I was like, okay, like, let me look at it. And there was no doctors in the room. We were just brushing away and doing fluoride. No one was doing exams. And I was like, that tooth needs to come out, come back tomorrow and we'll take it out for you. So she was like, okay. Like, she's like, I don't want it to come out. I'm like, I'm really nervous. I'm really scared. I'm like, just come back. It'll be fine. It'll be, you know, like, like totally had to go through like the, like, talk her into it thing she came back and we took the tooth out and she did really well like no tears thank god didn't have to do that whole thing um and she, at the end she like gave me a big hug and that's worth everything to me so awesome. that was probably the one one little moment that was my my little glimmer but yeah we don't, we don't get a ton of that in dental because you're shooting people up with anesthetic and ripping teeth out of their mouths. I mean, how, how exciting is that? Mm -hmm. You know, we're not giving them medicine that makes them feel better or yeah. glasses that makes them see. Uh, every morning I walk into work, I'm like, good morning. It's so good to see you when people are like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand that, but like at the same time, dentistry is good too, you know, like what we do is we're getting you out of pain, you know, like she's going to be better off with that too. Like, I don't know. I wish people would see it differently, but yeah, <laughs> there's my little tangent. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I think that it's very few people that like to go to the dentist and I don't think a lot of people like to go to the clinic your quote-unquote doctor's office either but I think dentist is probably worse than a lot of people's list for sure mm -hmm. my last patient that I ended up seeing left a impression on me he was in his early 20s and he knew English really well and he said that he was learning English at the university there and actually at university about two or three hours away so he wanted to talk to me with his English instead of working through the translator. And he did amazing. And he said he was only learning English for a few months. And I was so impressed by how well he was doing and things like that. And he told me that in his city that he lives in, again, about two or three hours away, he actually helps with disabled children and stuff like that over there and tries to help out where he can. So it was really cool to see that he had a servant's heart too. So we have touched on this a little bit already, but what were some of your expectations before the trip and how were they different from the trip besides the things that we've touched on so far? You know, I kept them pretty open because I was, I felt like I went into this almost blind. I was like, whatever it is, it's going to be. Um, but I was excited. I think the days were a lot longer than I thought they were going to be on our itinerary. They said eight to five. They were like eight to nine <laughs> most days. <laughs> and mama was tired. <laughs> yeah. 
real tired. <laughs> um, I don't even know. It was like a different type of exhausted. I thought the food was going to be different. If I saw another plate of chicken and rice, I think I might have vomited. <laughs> um, and I like chicken. I I know, just know. And I like I love. I love hot weather. Anyone who knows me knows I love humid, hot weather. I'm weird. I know that's weird. Um, but that was disgusting. <laughs> that was like swimming in a sweatsuit of just grossness. Like... <laughs> Thank God for those AC units in our little workstations. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I think I would have curled up in a ball and cried. Yeah. I'm dramatic and that's okay. <laughs> but I remember the dentist I was working at and he was like, I, I will not lie to you. If the AC goes out, I will not work because I will not be taking teeth out with drips, with sweat dripping down my face. And I was like fair. Mm-hmm. And I felt that <laughs> because even with the AC on, we were sweating because oh, it yeah. was so hot in those rooms as it mm-hmm. was. Totally. Because one day it was like, feels like 115 plus like 95% humidity. Yeah. Ew. And then we found out that the next week it was like in the high 70s. It had cooled yes. off and was lovely. <laughs> what is life? Yep. It was just another little uh, God nugget for us, just testing us. <laughs> <sighs> but like the locals didn't seem to mind. They just sat there happily. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that there was a lot of the food that I definitely enjoyed. They had a lot of, you know, tacos or fajita type of meals and those are really good and of course, delicious coffee and stuff like the that too. The coffee was amazing. So we were good. right across the street from this place called like Cappuccino. And we would go there almost daily. And you could get a cup of coffee, whatever you wanted, iced latte, whatever, for under $3, I feel like. Oh, it was amazing. And then they had little tarts or, you know yummy desserts and then the atmosphere up top on their rooftop at night they had little swings and it was just such a cute place so yeah and then we also found a really good ice cream place that was Mm -hmm. pretty walkable from the hotel too and we visited there one night and then the next night we (laughs) gathered a whole bunch of other people too and so this giant group walked (laughs) down together and the owner of the ice cream shop was so happy to see all of these people coming. He was so excited. And he like FaceTimed, we think family members or maybe a friend or something, but he was like showing us to them. And he was saying, gringos, gringos everywhere. It's like, There's gringos everywhere. It was amazing to see when a big group of us would walk into a store, how many times we were told you just made our day. Like you have no idea how you guys being here has helped us tremendously. I'm guessing, you know, a huge, large group like that brings so much income for them that 
it had to have changed, you know, their week around. So yeah, they're pretty excited. And then besides some of the challenges we've already covered, were there any other challenges that you recall from the trip? Oh, Lord. <laughs> You're like, do you have, I have the time? I have like five right off okay. the bat. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Number one, the first thing I did, we were on the second floor and I was like, I made a beeline for the windows to lock the windows, right? No, they don't lock. I was like, cool. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to lock these windows just for safety reasons. They don't lock. And I was like, okay. Then nighttime comes. Not only don't the windows lock, they're useless. We might as well just have like a sheet up because they are so thin. It's like the noise is unbelievable. It was like I was sleeping outside. Yep. Not to complain or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's very important to demonstrate and share some of the struggles so people know what they're getting themselves into if they go on something like this. It was bad. (laughs) It was so loud. I think I – worst week's sleep I've ever had. Um, And then our lovely room smelled like absolute poop. Like the stench coming out of the sink. And then I learned that other people's rooms also smell like that right next to us. So they were like, oh, well, we told the front desk and they're going to take care of it. And I was like, great. This is exciting. We're going to have a solution. The afternoon comes around, nothing. And I was like, okay, well, the next day comes around, nothing. I was like, well, this is just how it's going to be. So I learned that if you turn on the shower and the sink at the same time, right away in the, like, it like kind of makes the gas smell go away. So when I would go in there right away in the morning, I would turn them on. So it like pushes the sewer gas back down. It was like, it was nauseating. So it'd keep the bathroom door shut. But when you had to open it to go in there, it would like (laughs) overpower you and about knock you on your butt because Oh, um, and then you would turn on the AC when you were there, but then the cleaners, the lovely maids would turn it off during the day and then open the windows. <laughs> so you would come in and it would be like, well, what are you letting into my room for critter wise? And why is it 90 degrees in my room now? So I had this smart idea to hide the remote and it worked for a couple days and then they got smart and started finding it. <laughs> <laughs> the remote for the AC unit. Yes, because it was re- yeah, remote controlled. Oh man. What else? <laughs> Were those your your five or do you have more? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> uh, it's all just around the hotel though. Oh, the water. Brushing your teeth without water. Yes. We had to use water bottles or filtered water, of course, because you can't drink their water there. And I was so good. We did so good all week. And then the last morning, I went to brush my teeth. And it's just such habit. Like, Mm -hmm. who uses – you don't think it through. You have your routine, you know. I stuck my toothbrush in the water. And I was like – I stuck it in my mouth. And I was like, ah! Oh no. And I just like instantly start violently spitting it out. And then I was like, I'm going to be sick. Oh my goodness. I'm going to be sick. And then I was like, Katerina, what am I supposed to do? She's like, you'll be fine. Stop being dramatic about this. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. The whole 
having to remember to not use the sink to brush your teeth is so challenging. It is so difficult. Mm -hmm. And it was the last day. So we had like thrown everything away and packed. So there was no visual reminder. Yeah. And then the one other challenge that I would say too is that in a lot of Central American countries or third world countries, you have to put the toilet paper in the Mm -hmm. garbage instead of flush it when you're using the bathroom. And that also is such a habit too to have to remember to not flush the toilet paper as well. So that's challenging. Or remember to grab toilet paper because not a lot of them have them in the stalls. And then you're like, oh, shoot. Totally valid. And then you're in the stall and you're like, um, is somebody out there? And then you hope that somebody speaks English. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yep. So I think those are the main challenges. I mean, there were definitely lots of little things like the bus breaking down several times. Oh, or, man, I forgot about that. Like you said, the power going out and... It, it was just a week, wasn't it? And then besides working hard during those clinic days and trying to survive some of those challenges in a foreign country that we weren't used to, we did have a little bit of fun one of the days and we were able to act like tourists and go visit a waterfall. So do you want to tell a little bit about that day? Sure. So we took a bus ride. It was probably like an hour and 20-ish minutes to Polha Falls, Polha Pazak, I think they call it. It's supposedly the second largest waterfall in Central America. It's about 30 feet shorter than Niagara Falls. Hmm. Um, fun facts. Yeah, fun facts. Um, it's beautiful. And when we were there, we had uh, the option to either throw your life out there and <laughs> walk behind it. Which everyone who did that, y'all are crazy because so many of them signed up to do that. And I probably would have done it, but you did not seem super on board and you didn't bring shoes. So I'm going to blame you for that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, But thank you. Thank you for not having shoes because that looks nuts. Yeah. Um, So we took the safe route with about nine other people and we went zip lining across the over the falls yep um and it was so fun we i think we did like eight or nine different zips something like that. um it was really really cool so yeah so when we were portrayed this day in this email <laughs> about how you could decide which option they made it sound like a walk behind the waterfalls or yeah. zip lining not death defying. Right. And I was like, hmm, a walk behind the falls. Sure, that sounds serene and lovely and peaceful. And maybe I would do that. But it said to bring water shoes. And I definitely just forgot water shoes with all the packing of all the random things we had to bring, including medical equipment and gloves and stuff like that. It looked like we could have rented shoes, though, or borrowed shoes from there. Oh. So so don't blame me. You probably could have still gone on that. I brought shoes. <laughs> you did it. But when we found out from people who had gone it before that it sounds like it's this like you said kind of death-defying adventure where you have to jump into the water swim across go over these rocks climb on these slippery rocks and you're climbing along the back of the waterfall that's all slippery and crazy and the water is just pouring down like crazy on your head it's not a peaceful waterfall it is a very powerful strong waterfall so yeah and you get soaking wet and we decided to go the safe route of ziplining in 
Honduras instead. <laughs> and wasn't that your first time ziplining? Um, definitely my first time ziplining that large. Like I've done like piddly ones at camp. Yeah, those don't count. No. Ziplining's fun. Yeah, it is. For sure. The people who had done the waterfalls before, the leader was like, oh, it's it's blah, 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 like not talking about how it really is. They're like, no, you need to sell this to the people how it is. So the next day he literally got up in front of the group and was like, I need to apologize to you for not telling you how it is. This is extremely dangerous. People, I'm pretty sure people have died. Like I just Googled it. And it's like, not safe, not safe. (laughs) (laughs) So he like apologized and was like, if you want to do this, it is dangerous. You will potentially get hurt. You will blah, blah, blah. So I think more people ziplined after that conversation. So I was still surprised how few people chose ziplining instead. I know. And like, there was old people. Who went behind that waterfall? I know. Y'all are nuts. Very brave. Good for them. I know. I'm so proud of you. And I'm curious, do you feel as though most medical and dental professionals should try to go on a mission trip? And why or why not, would you say? I would say, yeah, because you guys have a talent that is needed, whether it's in America at just like an outreach Um, organization, something like that, that's local, or if it's in a third world country, uh, using your talent to help someone who's underprivileged is absolutely an amazing thing to do. Um, It doesn't have to be a faith-based organization either. You can do something that aligns with your beliefs. It's a wonderful opportunity for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think it is important to recognize that there is a lot of need in our country too. So you can definitely do mission type work locally Mm -hmm. and there are lots of underserved populations and areas of medicine that you can work in or areas in the dental field that you can work in too, or just simply volunteering. For example, I very occasionally volunteer at a veteran foundation close by. So I have a lot of respect for that population too. And I'm not doing medical work there, but just giving of time as well and energy to try to help a organization or a cause that if there's one close to you that you believe in, I think it's important to try to do that during all of the free time that we are so right. struggling to have. Yeah. And Beck, how do you feel like the experience of the trip overall impacted you personally? Um, It was definitely eye-opening. Um. It made me feel like what I had in my life is just so great. You know, we're so privileged as Americans. I mean, we know that, of course, but going and experiencing it firsthand is always just a good reminder. I don't need to travel across the world to to know that, but seeing it again and again, uh, God's good, and I... It's, it's good to be shown that every now and then for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is always amazing. The little reminders of the things that I am grateful for when I'm exposed to different things that are out of my mm-hmm. comfort zone or that I'm not used to on this trip, like returned. And I'm so thankful to have really easy access to running water yeah. and 
be able to flush my toilet paper and be able (laughs) to drink the water out of my sink and be thankful to have an AC or furnace to be able to adjust the temp just exactly how I want it and Mm -hmm. turn your fireplace on yes yes it's that time of year (laughs) yep so yes we're definitely very spoiled in our culture and I had this moment I don't I think I said this to you but but I don't know if you had this moment too but in the Atlanta airport we had this lawn layover but walking through the Atlanta airport I all of a sudden had this reverse culture shock coming Mm -hmm. back yeah you did say that it was like whoa it was bizarre it was Mm -hmm. like wow we first of all are in ac and i'm not sweating (laughs) constantly for a week straight and secondly just so many people bustling around and walking like crazy and you know being more impatient and it was like people were rude again and it was weird because you went through this like everyone was just so grateful everyone was patient and thankful and they were on your time because you were helping them and they were just so thankful and they really had nothing, you know, they had nothing to be at or to do, or I don't know, I don't know the right words. And then you went back to this like Atlanta of all things, like of course, (laughs) and we had to go across like four different terminals, you know, and we sat down to dinner at Carabas, I think we ate dinner because it was my birthday and I don't know I just felt like kind of out of body just like watching everyone and I was like ew like everyone was just like just busy and on their phones and it was kind of that like reverse culture shock of people were just rude and yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say it but yeah yeah, and I, I think it's just a gentle reminder to try to be more patient and kind to people that you meet mm-hmm. no matter the day, no matter the situation and things like that. So, And do you think you'd ever do another trip like this in the future? And would you be dragging your sister along or are you thinking more solo next time? More solo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would definitely want you with because I would – I don't know who else I would like to room with – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, I am already looking forward to my next one whenever that will be, hopefully sooner than later. It's an amazing opportunity for sure. And I'm really excited to be able to go on another one, hopefully ASAP. Yes, definitely. It comes with lots of challenges as we touched on and just the travel in of itself is challenging mm-hmm. and time consuming and that wasn't even that far compared to some of the places they go. They go to places in Asia and Africa too. And those travel days sound so exhausting. where I want to go next. And I'm already dreading just thinking about travel because when I was talking to the dental lead and he's like 36 hours easy, I was like, oh, gross. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can barely stay awake for like 20 to 22 hours. So (laughs) I would definitely struggle if we did that. You'd have to Give me an elbow in the side of my ribs or something to wake me up. Deal. Because I don't sleep while on planes. But yeah, we will see what the future holds. I think that going on these trips is very fulfilling. And mm-hmm. even though you are just, you know, working really hard, honestly. Yeah. And you're just trying to get back. It fills you up, even though it's emotionally and mentally draining and exhausting. So mm-hmm. I definitely encourage people to consider something like this for the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, 
my dear sister, for taking time out of your day to have this conversation. If some of the listeners maybe have family members or friends who are in the dental field, or they just want to connect with you or reach out to you with questions, how could they get a hold of you? Um, my Instagram is probably the best way. It's at Rebecca Ingrid. But if you go to Katarina's PA the Fiway, I'm probably tagged and stuff. So you will be able to find <laughs> me on there because my name is spelt a little weird compared to some Rebecca's because it's K-A-H at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tag you for the post for today's show on Instagram and people can follow you there and message you or follow you if they would like to cool. have questions. Awesome. Well, thanks again, sister. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.